Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the back of your order of worship. We're going to pick up uh, the second part of chapter 1, verse 8, through the rest of the chapter. Just to remind you what we did in the, in the beginning, the context of where we arrive with Daniel having this uh, food placed before him. Uh, Daniel and his, uh, and his you know, three friends have been brought to Babylon and there, uh, we have seen that God has been completely sovereign in all of this. That none of this has been a mistake. That God hasn't abandoned them to some earthly king. But it was indeed God who has given them over to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And it is this God that will sustain them while they are there. And Daniel, we see tonight, has not forgotten that. Even as... They've now been trained in the gods of Babylon. They've been, uh, their names have been changed uh, to, to reflect the gods of Babylon, to change them from the names that reflected uh, Yahweh to now Ahu and Nebo. Uh, they have now learned the history, the religion. And tonight we see that despite all of this, Daniel still has an unquenchable and unshakable faith in the God uh, who has watched over him and protected him. So let me pray before we read His Word. Our gracious God, we thank You for what You set before us in Your Word. We thank You that Daniel prevent, uh, presents to us this man of faith that has trusted and obeyed even when the culture surrounds him and inundates him and demands things of him. God, may you teach us about yourself tonight that you indeed, as you were for Daniel, are for us. That you are ruling and reigning. God, help us then in the midst of Babylon here and now as the culture makes demands, as sin is always at our fingertips, Father, that you would help us to be faithful. That we might be careful what our spirit feeds upon. Lord, would You guide us then tonight in Your Word which is perfect into truth and lead us always to Your Son, Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Let me read beginning with verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuch had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So we listened to them in this matter, and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. 
So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten, ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. This is God's word for his people. Amen. Tonight we're going to consider two things as we uh, consider Daniel and his friends in the midst of Babylon. One, whom do we fear? And two, how do we stand apart? Whom do we fear? Our first point. The rules of Babylon have been uh, clear so far. Assimilate, right? Assimilate into everything Babylon. These men were stripped of their homes and their names. They have been taught the gods, the languages, and the history of Babylon. And it was almost created so that it would be impossible to be a Jew in Babylon. And it would be a fearful place to live if you did not assimilate. Daniel could have every reason as he is now in this new home to be afraid. I mean, just think on the words uh, in verse 10 of the chief of the eunuch. That if, you, uh, fail, if he fails to, to feed them correctly, that he knows that he will be under Nebuchadnezzar's anger. And he says that even uh, my head is at stake if I was to do this thing for you. You see, Nebuchadnezzar has a bit of a temper. We'll find that out more as we develop through these passages. But even uh, next week, we'll get to chapter 2. And Nebuchadnezzar dreams a dream, but he doesn't tell uh, the sorcerers and musicians his dream. He says, either you tell me what my dream was. If you don't, I will kill you. I will tear down your home and destroy your family. This is the kind of man they're dealing with. Or the kind of man that might build a statue. And if you don't bow down to the statue, he will make the furnace so hot that even the men that throw you in can't survive. That's the kind of man that the eunuch knows he's dealing with. So this is a fearful place to disobey. In every sense but one, Daniel... Mishael, Hananiah, Azariah are a conquered people. But we see that something lies much deeper beyond the reach of Nebuchadnezzar, and that is their faith. <clears throat> verse 8 becomes the defining verse of really the whole book. Daniel was resolved, it says, that he would not defile himself with the king's food. It can be said that Daniel's faith in his God was that untouchable part of his exile. He may be a citizen of a new country, but Daniel knows that he is a citizen of a heavenly country. It all comes down to the question, whom do you fear? Let's get minute in the language for just a second. There's a play on words in verse 7. It says, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. 
The word sim used there for means to, to give or to set. You see, the chief eunuch set new names upon them to completely change their identity, to reorient them to other gods. But verse 8, the same word used of Daniel, Yasim, means that he, in light of what happened there, he sets his mind on not being defiled because of his true identity. We see two different perspectives. You see, Daniel feared the Lord more than he feared Nebuchadnezzar. This is Proverbs 1 at play. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To to receive instruction as wise dealing in righteousness and justice and equity. This is wisdom at play in Daniel. To give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to youth, which Daniel is. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands guidance is this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And Daniel was no fool. He feared and held in reverence and awe his God even in the midst of Babylon. And this is what he set on his mind. The safest thing to do amid culture's demands in the Babylon of this world, as Revelation calls the kingdoms of this world, is to give yourself completely and wholly over to God's grace and mercy, even despite the dangers you may face for it. And we see that those who trust in God will be rewarded. Verse 9, God gave Daniel favor and compassion. Favor here, the word is hesed. This is loving kindness. He gave Daniel grace during his troubles and he showed him compassion through the man that was over him. This is something that never changes. Hear this. That never changes from God towards His people. This is what He always expresses towards His people. Loving kindness, faithfulness, mercy, grace. And this will be the kind of grace that sustains these four men amid significant hardship and danger. Daniel was resolved that he would trust in his God no matter the cost. Brothers and sisters, you can count. You can count on the same mercies. But first, you must answer the question, whom do you fear? Do you have a deep and reverent love and awe towards God? If you do, it will affect the way you live now in this world, in the kingdoms of this world. It means that you will take every effort to not be defiled by this world. It means that you live now in this world as understanding that you are heavenly citizens of a greater kingdom. As Philippians 3 says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body, that power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. 
What a word for people. People such as Daniel, who have the threat of a Nebuchadnezzar over them to think on the heavenly city. This means like Daniel, we must be aware of our spiritual diet. Those things that would defile us. Those things that we need to avoid. What is it that you consume week after week after week? What is it that you pour into your soul through your eyes and through your ears and through the things that you interact with? We must be careful what we consume and who it is that we fear. We are called to be holy as God is holy. He commands it. Even when the world has a a different command for us. Even when the world tells you, you must assimilate with the culture. You must become like us. And when they're unyielding and pressing and forcing, we're called to be holy. We're called to be holy because the cross purchased us for this end. That we may be found without spot or blemish. And Daniel and his three friends are about to stick out like a sore thumb in the middle of Babylon because they won't eat what the others are eating. And it's going to just grow and grow and grow from there till they're the only ones who will not bend the knee when everyone bows down. Verse 12, Daniel says, Test us. See whether we thrive in obedience to our God or our health fails. To say this another way, as we are resolved not to defile ourselves with the meat of this world, it will give sound evidence of our faith and our God. When we are called to fear the Lord, to trust Christ, to not be defiled by the sinful things of this world, it serves as visible, sound evidence to this world of our faith in Christ Jesus. Daniel and his friends were preparing to live in a different kingdom. In fact, verse 21 gives us insight into this. It says that Daniel went through all of this and it kind of sums up the rest of the book and then places us. What happens to Daniel through all of this? It says that Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Do you understand what's being said there? That Daniel outlasted even the kingdom of Babylon. Last week we called it a mist in the wind. Daniel feared God because God's kingdom outlasts all kingdoms. Do you fear the Lord? If so, you will not defile yourselves with the things of this world, but will walk in faith and obedience and fear of God. You might say, come on man, what is the problem of feeding on the things of this world from time to time? The spiritual implications of chapter 1 is either you will be emaciated and weak rather than fit and healthy in the Lord. He shows us visibly through the lives of these men. So we see first, whom do we fear that we might see in our second point? How do we stand apart? As Christians, we stand apart in two ways. We stand apart in what we refrain from. 
And we stand apart in what we receive. By that I mean as a Christian, you stand apart as you refrain from sin. As you withdraw from it and you don't seek it out and you don't enjoy it, you stand apart in that way. And we also stand apart in what we receive. Different from the rest of the world, we stand apart as those who have inherited a heavenly kingdom, are a part of the kingdom of God that will stand and last forever. You stand apart as His children having received something that is everlasting. The fact of the matter is, if you are a Christian, right now, you stand apart. There is something unique and particular about being God's people. For instance, In the two types of fear we see in this passage, we see something unique. Daniel fears his God as the only true God and will not defile himself with food and wine that has been dedicated, probably, to pagan worship. I think this was the issue at stake for Daniel. Will I eat this food that has been a part of the sacrifice to handmade gods? And though we don't see anywhere in this book Daniel's sin highlighted, it doesn't mean that Daniel isn't a sinner. Daniel knows that God has been merciful to him. And we know that he knows, just like all other man, that he stands in a position unable to save himself from the wrath of God. You see, Daniel fears his God because he knows to rebel against Him and to defile himself is to ignore His gracious love towards him as a sinner. And to act otherwise would be like being willing to to throw himself to the consuming fire that God is in His judgment and wrath. Then you see the other kind of fear. On the other hand, the chief eunuch fears Nebuchadnezzar because even the slightest mistake means he loses his head. There is no grace nor mercy for one who crosses the earthly king. Earthly religions tell you what you must do and give in order to be saved. But Yahweh tells us even our righteousness is filthy rags. Instead, God tells us, I gave and I worked your salvation where you could not. This is the sovereign God at work in the life of Daniel as he's in Babylon. This is the sovereign God at work in your own salvation. That He has done everything necessary to save you. In fact, this can be seen in the miracle of Daniel and his friends thriving off vegetables and water more than men who were eating hearty meals. You see, Daniel was trusting in God's preservation of him rather than fearing some earthly consequence of Nebuchadnezzar's wrath. He knew it wasn't an earthly king he was contending with, but a heavenly king. Uniquely, Christians have this as their guiding principle as we live in the here and the now. As Daniel and his men chose to stand apart in their convictions concerning the Lord of heaven, it served as testimony to their captors. The sense of testimony will only be magnified in the coming chapters, but in this passage, the chief eunuch Uh, got to see firsthand something truly marvelous about Daniel and about his God. There is something to the faith of these men, something different than all the other servants, all the other people here. They not only thrived, but God made them the very best of slaves among all the servants, it says, verse 19. None was found like Daniel. Daniel. 
And when they stood before the king, it says they were ten times better. Christians, how do we stand apart now as we live in Babylon? What among us defiles us? In what ways do we stand unique in the kingdom of this world by the way we live and work? If it was to be asked of your co-workers, would they know? Would they know that there's something different about you? If it was asked of your co-workers, you know, the, the times that you're invited to go out and whatever that might be, would they know that something about you is different. Children at school, you're called to stand apart. Do you love Christ? This should affect the way you live in the world, the way you are in your school, the way you treat others that are around you. We stand apart. We are heirs of a better kingdom and we are to live in light of this. Is it not this? That we have an unyielding sense of God and what He requires of us. That we understand as we live and move and have our being in this world, it is all resting in the hands of a sovereign God that can even sustain us. Yes, even cause us to thrive in the most godless place you can imagine. That even there, His strong arm is with us. In a world that's perishing, Christians stand apart. The other men grew unhealthy and were wasting away, so to speak. And verse 21 tells us even the kingdom of Babylon was wasting away. The reality of sin is much more dire. Much more dire in this world as we see this world wasting away, withering away. The Christian stands apart and knows that they would never want to return to the very thing that was killing them and had them in shackles. Daniel will not defile himself. Would we want to dine, Christians, and feed, so to speak, on the things that are sinful when we read that the wages of sin is death? You see, sin has slain us. And if God wasn't gracious in giving His own Son for our salvation, then what hope would there be? You see, Daniel won't defile himself because this is what he can do in response to a God who has been so merciful and gracious and compassionate towards him. Paul asks it this way to us tonight. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? He says, by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, have <clears throat> you become slaves to righteousness. This is how a Christian stands apart. 
that he might say to the old master, you no longer rule over me. That Daniel might even be able to say to those who are ruling over him, you may indeed rule over me as your servant now, but the Lord God of heaven rules over this heart that I might not defile myself. That I might not sin against him. Let us see what happens. Christian, do you have the same resolve? That you have been set free from sin and must live under righteousness in Jesus Christ. Matthew 10 links us to Daniel 1. Jesus says, do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Do not be anxious when they deliver you over to governors and kings for my sake to bear witness. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. How do we stand apart? Live unashamedly as a follower of Jesus Christ. Bear up that name with pride and do not defile yourself in this earth. Resist sin. Run from it. Flee from it. Cast it off as Hebrews says. And pursue righteous living. We will, obe- we will, be, obe- will, we- will we be obedient in all things? The answer is no. But God's Son was. It is His obedience that is the foundation of our salvation, not our own John 8.29, Jesus says that we have this to boast in. We boast in Christ's boast. Christ says, He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. And God doesn't leave us alone, for we are wrapped up in the righteous works of Christ. God loves us because He loves His own Son. As we live in this world, know that Christ is praying for you. And He has prayed for you. It says, not only is Christ interceding now, Christ victorious, praying for you, that you might endure, that you might not defile yourselves, that you might last to the very end. Christ prayed for us in John 17. The high priestly prayer, before He died, He prayed that we would be sanctified in the Word of truth and that we would know the love of the Father towards us. And He prays that we will be with Him where He is and that God would keep us and protect us in this world. Now that is something for the spiritual diet of His people. May we fear our God in right worship and service and stand apart in this world, knowing Christ's kingdom endures forever and ever. And you live now in light of that reality. Amen. Let's pray.